Hello, welcome back to Bath Bomb. So, a Monday pod, what is going on? So basically, we realise that you're all very busy. I know, I am too. For some reason, I'm editing this. Why am I doing that? But anyway, uh, we've decided to make Bath Time an audio medium as well. So what we're going to do every Monday, you know, give or take, remember I am a student, I do this for free. Uh, we were going to read out three or four articles, either the person who wrote the article is going to read them out or the section lead or me or Tom will read out some of our best articles from Bath Time so that you can enjoy it on your commute up, you know, after buying your overpriced coffee uh, from your local independent coffee shop. Yeah. Um, uh, so what articles are we going to read today? So Tom, what's your article about today? Oh, it's a brilliant article, Adam. I must say, it's it is pretty good. It's a fantastic article written back in October 2022 by a visionary, really. Mm. Um, yours truly. Oh, <laughs> God, it's me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Um, uh, all about e-scooters. Not still kind of in date. Technically contextual. I think it's a timeless classic. It's a timeless classic. Um, and then Lucy, the, the, the woman, the myth, the legend, is going to read out her Hunger Games SU Officer Elections Week article. Uh, we've got that all recorded up and that will be in this as well. And then I'm going to read the wonderful Amy Joy's article about unspecified budget airlines and her experience in the inter-semester break. God, you lucky lot. Doesn't that sound great? If this isn't fun, I don't know what it is, quite frankly. No. Um, if you want your article to be read out... Or by, you us, by us. By us. Pay me many money at um, 09 to... <laughs> I'm fading you out. <laughs> uh, if you want to have your article read out, number one, you've got to write. Come on, get on it. Number two, if you want to read articles out, if you're an aspiring voice actor, and quite frankly, you can do better than me, as you'll be able to hear in a minute, please get in contact and you can come on the pod, you can do some reading for us, you can, there'll be some narrative pieces in the future with some characters and stuff. But um, yeah, if you're interested in getting involved, please do just get in touch because honestly... We'd love to have some more face on the pod and more people to talk to. But yeah, enjoy this episode of Bath Bomb. Uh, we're back. Uh, this is Bath Bomb, just in case you forgot. Uh, we are a part of the Bath Time magazine, therefore we've got to read some articles. Uh, it's e-scooters, colon, itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, risky injury machinery. Here it is. I'm about to read it to you in the voice it was meant to be read in. <clears throat> we are truly living in the future. Parks in every corner around bar for affordable, accessible, and more environmentally friendly forms of transportation. As part of the Future Transport Zones initiative, e-scooters have become a, a transport of choice around the city. It's almost impossible not to see one hurtling past you on the already slightly precarious road crossings, shouting some profanity about your mother, which you didn't quite catch. I'll be the first to, first to admit, these things are fun. E-scooters honestly make me feel like I'm in Back to the Future 2, admittedly seven years late and they don't hover, chasing some life vest wearing punk down the road. I have friends who completely swear by them, and I absolutely understand the appeal. They are a student's dream come true. However, I think it's important to remember what e-scooters are. Although personal e-scooter usage in the UK is a legislative backwater, there have been some numerous publications on them. According to one by the House of Lords, e-scooters are technically motor vehicles, meaning they need insurance, technical standards, payment of vehicle tax, licensing and registration, driver testing and licensing, and the use of relevant safety equipment. It's also illegal to use them in spaces set aside for pedestrians. I don't know about you, but I'm doubtful as to whether this is the case and whether anyone really would be arrested for lacking these under the Road Traffic Act. 
E-scooters are essentially road-legal vehicles, which can go up to 12.5 miles an hour, which is the speed cap in Bath, and they are very manoeuvrable onto pavements, with little legislation surrounding them. But that's personal scooters. Boy, the provider of e-scooters to Bath is under licence for the city, and therefore have a clearer responsibility regarding their legal usage. They check that users have a driving licence, that they're informed of requirements before they're allowed to use the service on their app, and, to be fair, that's pretty good going considering the scope of their operation. The quiz is easy to pass, but the rules are just as easily forgotten. Voy pushes for the use of helmets and high-vis when using their scooters. Again, just speaking from personal experience here, but my fluorescent wardrobe is somewhat lacking, and a helmet is not often a feature of my phone's keys wallet check. Voy misunderstands how people view their scooters, or at least for the purposes of legal tickboxing. E-scooters are a quick and highly available way from A to B. By design, the e-scooter service lends itself to ad hoc travel, for example, after a night out. Now, it goes without saying, but do not use e-scooters while drunk. Much like the club hookup, the day before essay, and any trip to Milton Keynes, it's a stupid idea. But the walk home just seems so much more convenient when it's on a magical moving board of light and wonder, doesn't it? Students are one of the key audiences for Voy, and I'm sorry to say, but we're exactly the sort of people who are going to use them like that. In 2021, there were 1,352 collisions involving e-scooters in the UK, resulting in 1,434 casualties. By policing area, Avon and Somerset counted for 7% of these casualties, second only to the Metropolitan Police, 36%. This does include our largest sister city of Bristol, and it must be considered that Avon and Somerset are only one of 30 trial areas for e-scooters, but increased presence also means an increased incident likelihood. Which takes me to my final point. The extension of the service up the university via Woodcombe Hill means that e-scooters are suddenly a really viable way of commuting to university. And although this article is sceptical, e-scooters are a brilliant emerging mode of transportation, and if used responsibly, they could be a total asset to students living in the BA1 to 2 postcodes. Widcombe is a steep hill, though. The corners are sharp, the roads are cramped, and the views are stunning, for those of you easy distracted by landscapes. Voy remains an excellent opportunity for us, but I implore you, plan your journey, wear a safety kit, just think of how majestic your safety yellow vest would look blowing in the wind, and remain vigilant on the roads. May all your Hill Valley chase fantasies come to fruition. The Hunger Games, SU Officer Elections Week by Lucy Atchison. After four years at the University of Bath, I don't believe there has ever been an SU Officer Elections Week as wild as that of the 2022-23 academic year. Now known fondly amongst media as the Hunger Games, the twists and turns of the election week gone by had to be seen to be believed. Let's set the scene. It's the beginning of elections. There are 22 candidates standing for office. Seven are gunning for the role of president alone. It's going to be a tough week. Amongst the tributes from each district, we have a real variety of candidates. From current SU officers re-running for election, sports beanocks with an army of fans behind them, second and final years hoping to secure employment for the following year, sorry not sorry, and politics students armed with policies that would make Lenin's teeth chatter. Of course, we can't forget the people running the show, the capital, sorry, the Democratic Procedures team. In a similar vein to the actual capital in the Hunger Games, our leaders did surprise tributes with rules this year that added twists and turns to the game that no one could have foreseen. I'll be taking on the role of Hamish Abernathy in this extended Hunger Games metaphor. I'm old, tired, I've seen more election round than I care to remember, and I probably wouldn't get through the period if it weren't for alcohol. Usually I've been outside of the election season, watching all the chaos unfold from my lovely committee position on bath time, but not this year. This year, Blake Walker's campaign team recruited me. It has to be said, watching the inner workings of the SU elections is far more entertaining, stressful, concerning, 
and anger-inducing than tapping away on a silly little laptop about whose policies are going to be completely unrealistic, like I have done every other year. This retelling of SU Elections Week is all from my perspective and generally focuses on the SU President candidates as I had the most interaction with them. Friday, 3.55pm. All candidates and their teams have mass emails ready to send to every society on campus asking them to endorse their campaigns. Unlike normal years of elections, our capital changed the tides in this election season by granting societies the ability to support SU officer candidates publicly. Why? No one really knows. But what I do know is the dreadful sound of hearing students crying when the Jazz and Astrology Appreciation Society turned down their endorsement pleas. Candidates were scrambling all over the place to find support from student groups. Abby claimed rugby, Himena was victorious with Latin American Society, and Blake won over Bulu. But it remained to be seen whether any of these endorsements would actually help candidates win. Spoiler, they didn't, but they did cause everyone a lot of stress. Social media pages began popping up all over the place, with candidates using bright, bold colours on their posts to show everyone that they were different from all the other candidates who used bright, bold colours on their posts. It was evident by the sheer number of candidates using blue and yellow for their campaigns that what had started out as a friendly competition was now war. Monday. Monday was a sleepy start to the day. Most candidates were inside the edge, being repeatedly questioned by Peter Irvine on their stance towards free speech and first bus, two out of three F-words that students at Bath like to indulge in. Unopposed community officer candidate Hannah was first up in questions to candidates. I want to dedicate this part of the story to Hannah, who I believe is the Rue Barnett of our Hunger Games. Friendly, intelligent and kind, everyone was rooting for her to win. Ha 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 ha, I hear you say. Hannah's answers were fantastic and she got across her passion for the SU to everyone in the audience. Next came the presidential candidates. All I can say is, seven's a crowd. Dan, who I think is similar to Finnick O'Dare, was in his not-like-other-candidates era, claiming that he couldn't really persuade anyone to vote for him because it's a popularity contest, but also promising a crowd-pleasing policy of hashtag make happy hour great again. Works for me, Dan. Esther, with the strong and bold personality of Joanna Mason, said she was going to scream if she heard one more candidate use the word transparency. Fair point. I get where she's coming from with that one. And Ronaldo started a lengthy debate with Himena about whether including more than one international student in a first-year flat is inclusive or exclusive. Legend has it, he's still arguing his case. Tuesday. Candidates flocked to the parade on Tuesday to campaign for the votes of their fellow students. David got loud and proud by putting one of his campaign team in a shark costume, God's strongest soldier, while Hannah and Esther were winning over candidates with sweets and baked goods. Jodie did a flash mob with her campaign team that drowned out the RB music for a solid five minutes. Cheers, Jodie. My eardrums still haven't recovered from the lo-fi jazz house club music that our friends radio, at radio bled over for an over an hour. Abby and Himena literally sat on the parade all day speaking to people. I still don't know how they managed it, to be honest. And Blake's campaign team got loud and larry, shouting, for fuck's sake, vote for Blake, at students passing. We even had a visit from professional fresher himself, Mr George Cooper, a young man who was winning votes for Zesis' education officer campaign by flirting with girls. Old habits die hard, I suppose. Wednesday. On Wednesday, all campaign teams were metaphorically slapped in the face by a presidential hopeful Will. Will's Hugh Grant-inspired TikTok had amassed nearly a million views and he now had endorsements from EA Sports, Heinz Beans and some rogue vodka company. The dark horse in the race had perfected social media presence, while the merry tribe of presidential candidates realised they were going to have to up their game by a thousand. Aside from that, Wednesday was the day that most people, me, and their campaign teams, me, began to feel the effects of the election week grind. I even heard that one of the SU candidates asked URB where the SU was. Exhaustion had evidently set in for all involved. Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, what can I even say about Thursday? To be frank, it felt like the final hours of the Hunger Games. Most candidates had died, 
they'd stopped campaigning due to fatigue. But to those who were left, they were surprised by the capital. Blake, Jimena and Ronaldo were all banned from campaigning for an hour for getting to send an email. Yes, an email. As such, despite the poisonous rivalry that had taken place over the week, pretty much all candidates just went to the SU for a pint and admitted defeat. One hour and multiple pints later, a few of the brave warriors waddled out, waddled out to the parade to chant their final chants and throw their last few sweets at students. And then it was all over. Friday. It is with great delight that I can announce that, unlike the traditional Hunger Games, all tributes survived, and in even greater news, the following candidates have been crowned your victors for next year's on the SU at the University of Bath. Your SU president is Himena, your SU community officer is Hannah, your SU activities officer is David, your SU education officer is Amber, your SU postgraduate officer is Yura, and your SU sport officer is Abby. Congratulations to all the candidates for your wonderful hard work over the week. It was an absolute pleasure to see your passion and enthusiasm for our student community. It was an equally great pleasure to drink so much in the SU on Friday that I was repeatedly asked to get off the table and stop singing. That's Elections Week wrapped in one Hunger Games style special. So I'm now going to read um, an incredible article by Amy Joy. Uh, it's called Budget Airline, Friend or Foe. Uh, and this was published on the 2nd of March. Inter-semester break means only one thing, right? A trip. Whether you're national expressing it, doing the 21-hour coach ride for the ski trip or flying, a lot of us went away in one form or another during what is essentially a glorified half-term. So here is my rundown of my experience with an unspecified budget airline from Brisley on a flight to M Malaga with the girls. To start, after enjoying a yummy burrito from Tortilla, myself and my friends Flo and Alice spent far too long talking that by the time we realised how late it was, our gate was about to close. So obviously we began sprinting to the gate, only to realise to our dismay at just how long the corridor goes. Anyone who's flown from Bristol Airport will know what I mean. For somewhere that is supposedly a small airport, there surely are a lot of gates all along one very long corridor. Anyway, we huff and we puff and we get to the gate only to find that the flight we were supposed to be boarding was late to land, which meant there was a delay by half an hour, which passengers were not informed of. This meant that after our run, we had to stand basically dripping in sweat, just waiting to be let out of the gate and onto the plane. What an ordeal. Now, when going on a trip with three people, flying, one would expect to be able to sit together. Not when you're flying budget, love. Unless you pay for seats next to each other, it is a gamble as to where you'll be sat. But much to my sheer delight, I was the only one of three of us to get a beautiful window seat, through which I watched a lovely sunset as we landed. Unfortunately for Flo and Alice, they were both sat in the middle and had to attempt to fall asleep whilst fully upright, which they somehow managed. On the way back, I was treated to a middle seat, accompanied with a screaming baby behind me, which I admit was not the fault of the unspecified budget airline. But luckily, I sat next to two lovely middle-aged men, one of whom assured me that half an hour intervals throughout the flight that it was, he was perfectly fine for me to use both armrests, despite me making it clear each time that I was absolutely fine without. Flo, Alice, I missed you both during these two and a half hours that we were separated, but I'm not sure either of you would have been so desperate for me to use both armrests. So middle-aged armrest man wins. Thank you for unspecified budget airline for this experience. The lights were also kept on the whole time, which meant a nap was not taken, although this did allow a middle-aged armrest man to check as and when he wished whether my arms had finally made it to the armrest. Other than this, everything was pretty smooth. We were delayed and had quite a rough landings on both sides. But at the price of a mere £40, I don't know how much more I'm entitled to complain. Unspecified train company, take note, a flight to Malaga was less expensive than my train from Bath to London. I, for one, know where I would much rather be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bath Bomb.
Bath Bomb is a Bath Time magazine production. It's a bit of a tongue twister, that one, it isn't is it? Uh, <laughs> Bath Bomb is produced by Adam Wright, myself, and Tom Lowe, who is in the room. I am also in the room, as is Emily Gray, who did admin. And Bailey Kent is a special guest. And thank you to this week's guests. 